those synergies are around more data is better. And a diversity of data means we're not dependent on any one data source. And so they've got a lot of different data sources and so do we. It's a large number. I can list them if you want. The second is they've got a leading mediation tool, which is an important part of a full stack monetization platform. We will bring more data, more demand to that platform. And that's helpful to both companies. And again, customers win, we win. There's been a major shakeup in the ad tech world. Unity platform that we have world's games are built on which offers Unity Ads has merged with IronSource, one of the largest independent ad tech conglomerates. It's a $4.4 billion deal that will be accounted for via a stock swap. At the same time, two major Unity shareholders are investing $1 billion more back into the company, and Unity is authorizing a $2.5 billion share buyback program. All of this significantly shakes up the ad tech space in mobile ad tech, which is fast becoming synonymous with ad tech in general. You've got Google and you've got Facebook, Meta, and four or five major independents, and then thousands of other players. Unity Ads and IronSource were each one of the major independents, and now they're even bigger. To dive deeper, we're chatting with Unity CEO, John Richitello. Welcome, John. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Super pumped to have you. Let's start with the basic question. Why the merger? We've long thought that Iron Source was an amazing company. And when I started to get to know Tomer a bit better, one thing that Tomer, the CEO over at Iron Source, we realized we shared a common vision. And um, with Unity, most of the world's game content is built on Unity. We've also got a really strong monetization network. And what we're trying to get to, you know, over the course of many years is the platform where a creator can make the best content and monetize their best content. And sometimes monetization is harder than it is to build the great game. And it, it, if you don't have a great business to go with a great game, you don't have a great game because you don't have the resources to make it. And so here, what this is about is they have some tools that are pretty amazing that if you add them to our stack, we can get to a place where a creator can get user feedback on pieces of the game along the way. So they know how the game or the digital twin or whatever the, the real-time 3D content is made to, to be. And they get feedback on user engagement and what's working, not working, and not working. And also simultaneously get feedback on what it takes to acquire a user. So the outgrowth of a unified creation and growth platform that we could put together is really better content and a better business in a way that we think is really magical for creators. Let's look at it just macro level for a moment and then dive into the details about how it's going to make Unity better, all that stuff. The macro level, the stock market hasn't been kind, well, maybe not to anybody, but certainly to tech in general. And Unity and IronSource in particular haven't been immune to that over the past, let's say, half year, three months. How's this going to change the narrative to Wall Street and the results? First, I think that changing the narrative is always important, but what's really important is changing the outcome. Now, on its own, I believe that Unity was on its way to being one of the great companies in Silicon Valley or around the world in tech. Our create solutions and our monetization solutions, in light of the reality that most of the world's content is becoming real-time 3D, that's huge in a wind in our sail. So we think we've got a lot of opportunity as a standalone, and I think IronSource thought similarly about themselves. But we've demonstrated that. We're really pleased with our company and our opportunity set. If I'm honest with you, I'd say the right answer to that question is we prove out exactly what we said with our investors today. Here's the long-term vision. We're going to deliver 
a run rate of $800 million and keep it gone by the end of 2024. And we're going to do it by driving synergies around three really big ideas. And through that, we'll prove it. Now, of course, stocks trade up and down every day, and they're not always looking out six months or a year or two years. And so the narrative is pretty simple. Rest vision around making for better content and better businesses. When our customers do better, we do better. Secondly, three very strong synergies. Those synergies are around more data is better. And a diversity of data means we're not dependent on any one data source. And so they've got a lot of different data sources and so do we. It's a large number. I can list them if you want. The second is they've got a leading mediation tool, which is an important part of a full stack monetization platform. We will bring more data, more demand to that platform. And that's helpful to both companies. And again, customers win, we win. And third, they've got a set of publishing tools that they call supersonic. And it's a great solution for the long tail. Firstly, everybody in the long tail makes their games on Unity. This is one of those peanut butter and chocolate mixes where we've got the customer that they need. They've got the solution we need, and we see strong synergy in that. So three strong synergies driving a really strong trajectory on, on, on what makes a company valuable to Wall Street, which is profits. And then lastly, the resulting company will be very balanced. We outlined for investors today that we expect about half of our revenues to come from activities associated with creation and about half of our revenues to come from revenues that one might associate with growth. So we think there's a good narrative there, but it's not a sound bite. It's not a fortune cookie. And of course, the markets are pretty tough right now. But my job is not to worry so much about popularity, but about building a great business. We got our eye on it. And as we do that, I'm sure we'll attract more and more fans as we always have. What specifically about Iron Source is most attractive to Unity? You mentioned mediation, right? Was that one of the most attractive components? Is there anything else that you want to mention or highlight? Well, I've mentioned a couple already. So I mentioned their level play mediation platform is very attractive. I also believe their supersonic publishing tools are attractive. I would also highlight the tools that they use to support mobile carriers around the world are really positive. But if I had to pick something that I think might go without notice and not usually mention, they have an awesome, I'm so proud of the Unity team. But here, when I meet these folks, they're aggressive, they're ambitious, they're competitive. They don't have any of the, some of the arrogance sometimes that can seep into some Silicon Valley companies and organizations. They're just humble and ambitious and they mix so well with my organization. I watch them try to figure some things out as we work through this transaction. And they just work as if they'd always worked together. And so I was really happy with that. Do you anticipate job losses? It sounds like you don't, given the praises you just sang of the Iron Source team and the Unity team. Yeah, look, I think there's two answers to that question. One is there's been some substantial misreporting about some work we've done at Unity recently to where we, we rift or essentially reduced some job categories for a total of about 250. And then we actually offered half those people actually a little more jobs to join the company in their process of rejoining. And we did that really nicely, but obviously a net of 125 against between 6,500 people is not a, a big job restructuring, but you know, of course I feel deeply about every individual. So don't get me wrong. The story for one person is paint. So I don't, I want to be clear mm -hmm. about whenever there's job losses, but the way I would think of unity monetization or operate platform and unity in total. And then the, if you look at irons force in total. They're 1,400 people, what you might otherwise have expected based on analyst guidance for 2023, because they haven't given guidance, but analysts have estimates. If you look at their 
expenses that are out there. You might think they'd be hiring 300 people, and you might think that we'd be hiring 1,000, given that we're about three times their size in terms of the size of our company, or maybe a bit more. My sense is this is more in the category of hiring, hiring fewer than it is taking people out. Let me explain why. If I was competing with a company like Iron Source, or now we, we hope to be one of the same company, the first 300 people I'd look for are the ones that work for Iron Source. They're really good. They know what they're doing and are spaced in more to hours. And I think they'd say the same about Unity. And so the point that I'm making is you can get cost synergies one of two ways. Cost avoidance, you don't scale up as much, or firing a bunch of folks, and which is fairly traditional in some companies. Here, the talent is so important and so dear and so hard to replicate. We're inclined to think that those with the talent, we're going to keep them. Let's talk a little bit about iOS and ATT, app tracking transparency. That's, of course, massively impacted the ad tech environment on iOS, which is critically important in North America, Europe, other places as well. It's reduced the amount of data that's available to help people understand what's happening with their ads and what happens with cohorts of users that they acquire for their players, for their games, that sort of thing. He had some issues in the recent past with targeting ads. There was a bug that caused some challenges as well. How much did ATT on iOS impact this merger? I'd say virtually not at all. Look, the, and just to remember, when you're thinking about ATT or iOS privacy changes around the rules that Apple's put out, the one thing to think about is that's a very specific slice of data, mm -hmm. okay? It doesn't really affect Unity Analytics in, a, in the same kind of way it does the SDK for ads where people are seeking permission. It doesn't affect, for example, a publishing business that and publishing tools that, that they have or some of their tools around carrier installs and such. And so there's a lot of ways data comes in. And remember the data that, that were employed to make effective for our publishers. Like I'll tell you a story. I'm, you know, you can see I got gray hair. Well, I what have done, so <laughs> that's a step ahead. <laughs> there we go. But look, one of the things I find really frustrating is that I get advertising, a lot of advertising targeted for people over 60. And I look at that stuff and I'm a skier, I'm a tennis player, I'm a mountain biker. And then I get a depends act <laughs> and it just doesn't really work for me. And that's bad targeting, not good targeting. And the other issue is when people think about data, all we're looking for is we're helping a gamer find other games that are appropriate for their interest profile. Mm -hmm. And we're really good at that. And we get even better at that in combination with Ironsworth and consequently can help publishers be more successful, developers be more successful. And frankly, gamers be happy. We're not trying to figure out the name of your brother, whether your mother's birthday is the week after next, or you know what you're looking for on the internet. That's just not interesting to us at all. We're trying to find people for whom we can find a profile for the mostly for the game industry, but also for some brand advertising. But we're not reliant on personal identifiable information either. And ours is mostly contextual. We have the context of what you're playing and how you're playing it. And here's a point that proves my point. I believe, look, I, I don't have, I might make a blanket statement that I can't prove, but with the exception of maybe fashion magazines, I think most people look at advertising as being negative. Like, for God's sake, I'm watching TV, there's an ad, I'm looking at some video on social media, and I got to wait through an ad, that's irritating. The only media I'm aware of that the, the player, the user, actually thinks ads are positive is gaming. And we can prove it by showing you that engagement is greater when there's ads when there's not. 
And that's because of the way they're integrated in the game and because performance means you're getting ads that are relevant to you. And I can tell you, I'm slightly demotivated when I get a Depends ad and I'm really excited when somebody shows me a Porsche ad. Now, I may not be buying a Porsche, but I like looking at the ads more so than I like looking at something that implies a very different thing. Maybe they both imply a, a midlife crisis at some level, but it's a sort of I think we actually have, we're making a positive difference here. And I think it, that gets lost by analysts sometimes that want to sweep the entirety of advertising into this thesis that, oh Lord, we've got a recession. I think, in, and maybe we do and maybe we don't. I'm not an economist and I don't want to give you my prognostication on this. There's too many pundits in the world already. But I would say this, if there's a recession, performance advertising that the user or the viewer or the player likes it enjoys and leads to increased engagement and ROI for the advertiser. Our advertisers don't necessarily want to spend more, but they definitely want more ROI. And so that's what we deliver. And I don't think we're going to come under the same pressure in this sector as others that, that don't have those same features and characteristics. There's a lot to unpack in what you just said there. And of course, demographic targeting, like you just mentioned around the Depends ad, isn't very effective. Behavioral targeting is pretty effective. And of course, ATT and uh, on iOS and the IDFA availability has been made that more challenging. But I think what you're highlighting is with the amount of first party data that you have and your understanding of what people like in a gaming environment and rewarded ads, which somebody gets a reward for watching a lot in terms of first party data that you can then target against that becomes very interesting. One question that always lurks in the back of my mind when I see a tech merger is merging tech stacks. How long do you anticipate that'll be? I'm not sure there's all that much to merge. And one thing that merges almost instantly is the most valuable asset here, and that is data. So they've got an algorithm for their network. We've got one for our network. Whenever we add new data, our network it performs better for customers. Now we can do that at a larger scale. That's a positive. It doesn't involve a technology stack integration. Another piece in this is they've got a, a large mediation tool. We're not plan to merge our tool into their tool. They've got the supersonic publishing tool set. We don't make that tool set at all. They've got the tool set that I talked to you about that supports carry. We don't have that technology. And so when we presented to investors, we gave them the requisite sort of Lego pieces. They do this, we do this, they do this, we do this. And what was really interesting is how much of the tech stack that they do that we don't do. And of course they don't do any of the create side really. So what we do that they don't do. So I don't think there's this vexing um, a tech stack challenge. And frankly, I think one of the things that often happens with tech companies, they never actually do the integration where they need to, and they cover it up with UI and, uh, and that doesn't ever work as well as people would like for it to. And here, that's really not the case. Earlier, I'd mentioned, for example, their, their publishing tool set being integrated in the editor. That's essentially an API interface. That's the kind of thing that it just isn't a huge effort because their tech is not doing what our tech is doing. So they don't need to shuffle together two decks of playing cards. They need to connect to each other and exchange information. And that isn't that hard to do. Let's turn the corner just a little bit and talk about your create segment and your operate segment. Create, of course, is building the tools that makers use to build, whether it's games, 3D environments. You mentioned digital tweets, <laughs> metaverse -y type stuff like that. And operate is where you've got the growth tools and the ad networks and stuff like that and monetization capabilities. 
you seem to be driving further synergy, synergies between create and operate. How close do you intend to bring these capabilities? Very. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm going to surf, surface return on ad spend tools for C-sharp coder if it's working in the development side of a game. It means that when that developer together with the artist and the level designer to put that together and they're trying to get information over how engaging this is for the user, that and but they don't know necessarily fully what to do with that and how to map that to the LTV is greater than cost to acquire equation, but there's a there's a business person that probably does work works on that time. They have the same set of data. They've got the same understanding. They're learning the same things in real time. So it's surfacing data like that that will enable them to be very close, but not cumbersome. You don't need to surface the data you're looking for. It. And so the key here really is bringing these things together to yield the benefits of both. So through a very iterative process, the game gets better, the digital twin application gets better, the user acquisition gets better and better in terms of targeting and success rate and pulling them with ads that can be tuned and changed based on pulling screens data out of the game to automatically create ads. It creates a virtual circle. And then of course, these days, virtually all of these applications, whether they're car configurators or digital try-ons in your home for a luxury brand or a video game, they're all live experiences. They're up there and these products themselves are changing in time. And so this process never needs to end. It just needs to be smarter. And that's what we bring to it. And we have a profound view, and I think it's, a, it's correct, that we're able to add value to the full team that's making and trying to make a living out of this stuff. And in doing so, we'll make them more successful and they'll choose us more often. It's a pretty simple equation. If you're really focused on making your customers successful, I think you have every opportunity in the world to be successful yourself. That is super interesting. One of my theses is that companies whose tools learn and grow faster in semi or fully automated ways outcompete their competitors. And we're seeing that in smart tools, smart home, IOT, just about any consumer electronics category that you can name as well as gaming. Maybe let's zoom out and go big picture again. In the ad tech space, there's the giants that I mentioned, the Meta, Facebook, Google. There's a set of large competitors that both Unity Ads and IronSource used to fit into. And now, where does it go? Now, and there's thousands of others, right? What is the combination of Unity and IronSource? How's that position you now vis-a-vis -vis your ad tech competitors? I don't necessarily think of Meta and Google as competitors, really, or Amazon or others that have big ad tech businesses. Why? Because they're all business partners. We do an enormous amount of work with all of these companies, both them working through our network on the monetization side, them using our tools to create content, them facilitating us on the cloud with some of their backend tool sets and their hosting capabilities. Think of thinking of all these guys as lethal competitors would be not the way I see it. Of course, everyone's skirmishing to grow their business and the world's just gotten a lot more complicated than Coke versus Pepsi. <laughs> you're not going to drink both at the same time. But when you're using Unity hosting, you're often using GCP or Amazon at the same time. So it's not quite the same. And so that simplistic view, but I think what the people are want to bring to the table isn't fully correct. But if you think about a single dimension, say, if you're looking at the monetization of the business growth side, what I think people have come to believe, and I believe is true, is data is what separates the strong from the weak. 
and their ability to do the right things with that data. And I would argue maybe one of the lesser appreciated points is diversity of data is another vector along which to think of what's defensible and important. And so here, think about all the data sets I'd mentioned earlier, and then realize that they're reaching north of 2 billion people in a month. We're reaching north of three, and we're running out of people. And then the number, th th that level of reach compares to the largest organizations in the world today. And I'd argue that we're trying to build a truly valuable company centered around the idea that the little developer, the medium-sized developer, the large-scale developer need help in ensuring their applications work better and their monetization and business side works better. And that's what we're here to do in our way. Now, of course, could you argue that we compete with Facebook and Google? I guess so. But then I can't tell you the number of times we've come up with ways to collaborate. Mm. And so it, it's not quite as you would see it, but come on, they, those are, they're vastly larger companies than us in the ad tech space. So I don't want to make, give you a false impression. It's not like we don't recognize that we're in the foothills and they've got multiple Everests out there. Mm. They're on a mm. different scale than we are. I don't know in the marketplace, exactly how you'd measure respective market share, just even if you brought it down to mobile, yes. but if you said mobile advertising, I don't know the exact number, so don't quote me John on the number. If they've got between them and a few other players, 95% and we're, we're down at the other end of the spectrum, but it's still a great business for us at our scale. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Meta alone, obviously the Facebook property, Instagram property, multiple other properties and Google, you mentioned multiple Everest's absolutely. Those, they're, they're, they hover in the background and there's tons of cooperation, no matter if you compete with them or not. The companies I was thinking of were more like the new liftoff with the liftoff plus Vungle thing, AppLove and Digital Turbine, those sorts of things where more at the level where you are. But that's going to be an interesting thing. You mentioned more data. You've mentioned the synergies. How does this, maybe let's end here. How does this make Unity a better company going forward? But I think it. It, it, again, I'm going to keep going back to the same thing, but sometimes I think repetition undercovers, especially with stupid journalists, it really helps. <laughs> no, I think you're asking great questions. And I think sometimes I remember take those personality tests. They manage to ask you the same question three different times to find out if you're telling the truth. It's <laughs> here. You're asking me a similar question a few times over. And it all starts for getting a better outcome for our customers or either making better content helping them make a better business or both. And we think we are in the business of helping our customers make better content and get a better business outcome through better targeting. And if they're on the supply, higher CPMs. And if they're on the demand side, a better return on ad spend. We think those are measurable. We think this combination improves all of that on behalf of our customers. And sometimes we don't always know exactly how we're going to win when our customer wins. But time and again, we've won when our customer wins. That's a, it's a bit of a truth, and it's the thing we, re, we, we resolve to time and again with confidence. Thank you for your time.